Welcome, loyal listeners, to another episode of Eclectic Full Contact Theater's satirical saunter down the silly streets of yesteryear, throwing shade. If you enjoy the adventures of the Shade and the Vamp, head over to tinyearl.com slash E-F-C-T throwing shade, where for as little as $5 a month, you can get access to exclusive bloopers, rehearsals, and special bonus episodes. And now sit back and relax and enjoy Throwing Shade. There is a darkness in the minds of men, a darkness in their hearts, a darkness in a room with no lights. And who knows that darkness? The Shade knows. By day, Theodore Rockwell is a go get em reporter for the Chicago Gazette Times Herald. But by night, he becomes The Shade. It's not like you don't know all this. It's season four, for goodness sake. Let's just jump to the siren. Find out in the thrilling conclusion to throwing shade, unfinished sentences, and in a move that comes as a surprise to no one, we have a new sponsor. It seems that while most whiskey results in the drinker being unable to see straight, wood tick whiskey had a tendency to result in the drinker being unable to see, period. The government took this matter seriously, stepped in, and shut the company down. Once enough wealthy people complained about not being able to shout, Hey, why don't you look where you're going? To poor people who bumped into them. And so, we here at Throwing Shade welcome the... people... at Mad Murray's Metronomes, the finest tempo-keeping machines in the country. Wow, that sounds almost... benign. Fingers crossed, everybody! Also brought to you by Eclectic Full Contact Theater, bringing you 1930s radio-style satire since I had dreams. Previously on Throwing Shade... And now, on to our story. Act 3, Scene 1. The Bank, Dick. Our Heroes Witness Chicago Syndrome When we last left our intrepid crime fighters, they were on the scene of a bank robbery involving Kitty Tally and Misty LeBlanc. Help! Help! We're being robbed! See? Everybody just calm down! I'm not entirely sure how this... Please don't hurt us! Everybody just keep quiet! Nobody's going to get hurt! It was then that the Shade made his... unique entrance. It's the Shade! We're... really no better off. Shade, are you okay? It's the Vamp! Oh yeah, I see it. She's got a whole Dorothy Lamore thing going on. Nice outfit! Thanks. It has pockets. The Shade and the Vamp! Now our goose is cooked. All right, you two. Give yourselves up. Never! You got nothing on us! <sighs> really? Back in town less than a day and already robbing a bank. I'm disappointed in you two. Well, when you put it that way... We feel absolutely awful about it all. Really? Of course not! Wow, somebody's got a pretty big opinion of herself. Listen, ladies. No, you listen, vamp. You're making a mistake. Yeah, we're innocent bystanders. All right, I tried to give you a chance. As the vamp squared off to battle the villainous vixens, a strange, otherworldly sound filled the air. Help! Help! We're being haunted! The shade came too. Any calls while I was out? Ooh, the doorbell, I'll get it. The Shade leapt to his feet, but the effects of his earlier adventures hadn't yet fully worn off, and... Oops! Oh, oh, oh. 
he stumbled directly into the vamp. Quick, Misty, Unscray! Right behind you. feel like people are after your job. Vamp, what are you doing on the floor? Ooh, is it a floor show? Shade, pull yourself together. <laughs> Thanks, Vamp. I needed that. Where are Misty and Kitty? They ran into the bank manager's office. That's a weird place to escape to. There may be a back exit out of there, or a window. Come on! No need, my little magpie. That office has no egress whatsoever. I should certainly hope not. The last thing we need is those two taking a bunch of innocent birds hostage. Charming! I see your associate is a bit demeritorious in the medulla oblongata. She was the one with the snakes for hair, right? Shade, I'm sorry, sir. You are a... Cuthbert P. Bandersnatch, bank detective, at your service, my little blackbird. And may I say, it is a pleasure to meet a lady whose competence is matched by her pulchritude. Did he just insult you? It sounded like he insulted you. Good to meet you, Mr. Bandersnatch. I'm the vamp, and this is the shade. Ah, yes, the dyspeptic duo. A pleasure, my dear, a pleasure. How may I be of service? Kitty and Misty were speaking to you when they arrived. What did they say? Unfortunately, my little jackdaw, my fount of information is a bit of a trickle. They asked me where they could find the bank manager as they had important business with him. The Irish lass. Kitty, what a magnificent moniker she has. I thought only Austrian generals wore those. Shade! You were saying, Mr. Bandersnatch. Thank you, my little cormorant. Kitty mentioned she was here to get what was hers. Then the alarm went off. You didn't trip the alarm? Sir, your grasp of the obvious is astounding. Truly, your intellectual pilot light has blown out. Did he just insult me? It sounded like he insulted me. So if you didn't trip the alarm, who did? Was it you? No, I was in the middle of explaining why when people don't have enough money, we charge them more of the money that they don't have in order to still be allowed to keep the money that they haven't gotten to us. And I still say that doesn't make any sense. When I heard the alarm, I looked up and everyone was on the floor, so I and all the tellers put up our hands. Why did everyone get on the floor? Did Kitty and Misty tell you to do that? Nobody told us to do anything, but we heard the alarm. And we saw that gentleman on the floor, so we just followed suit. And why did you get on the floor, Mr. Bandersnatch? Oh, part of my military training, you see. I served in the Great War, and any time any alarm sounded, I hit the ground and scurried to the back of the formation. Sounds pretty cowardly to me. Cowardly? Cowardly? Sir, I take great umbrage at your insinuation. Why, I don't have a cowardly bone in my body. I was taking up my position, guarding the rear, in case the enemy tried to outflank us. Think of the danger. While the rest of the troops were facing the front, there I was, alone, facing who knew how many of the enemy lying in wait to attack from behind. And how many enemy troops did you face? None. But that, my little grackle, is because they were cowards, obviously too afraid to face my wrath. Obviously. obviously. It's amazing this fellow can keep his feet on the ground, considering the amount of hot air he's got. So if you all didn't trip the alarm, who did? I did. Ah! Ah! Heavens to Murgatroyd! Richard Chase, bank manager. He's the bank dick. I thought you were the bank dick. For me, it's a job. For him, it's a calling. Ooh, just call him Sequoia for all that shade. What? I'm sorry, I didn't think this show had a problem with anachronisms. What are you talking about, Spider? No, I'm not saying we've got spiders. I just think it's nice to acknowledge when this show lives up to its name. That's all. Now, where was I? Oh, right. The vamp was confused. I'm confused. Like clockwork, really. 
So why did you trip the alarm? Simple. Saw these two convicts in my bank and knew decisive action had to be taken. Did you hear them planning to rob the bank? I certainly did. Mr. Bandersnatch. Please call me Cuthbert. Cuthbert? Didn't you say all they did was ask to see the bank manager? That is correct, my little passerine. And what other reason could these two ne'er-do-wells have to see me except to demand that I open the vault for them? Well, can't argue with that logic. We can't? I'm pretty sure I could. I'm very good at arguing against logic. Sometimes he says things that are so true without even realizing it. Based on what we overheard at the boarding house, it's pretty clear Misty and Kitty were planning something. And they did seem a bit on edge. Suspicious, you might say, if you were the type of person to say such things. And I am. See? That proves it! Does it? Would you excuse us for a moment? Shade? A word? Yoink! What are you doing? We've got them dead to rights. Don't you think that manager is just a bit overeager? Shade, I know that usually we try to give people the benefit of the doubt, and that very often there's more going on in a given situation than meets the eye, but we're talking about Kitty and Misty. A leopard can't change its spots. Well, of course not. They're attached. And I think I read somewhere that they're used for camouflage, so it really wouldn't make any sense. Focus! Sorry. It just seems like we're assuming they're guilty of something based on nothing but their reputation. I know it may seem that way, Shade. But you're forgetting one very important fact. Oh, what? Cleveland! What are we waiting for? Let's get those bank robbers! Meanwhile, on the other side of the bank manager's office door... We're trapped! There are times I marvel at the power I wield. The power to crush POV transitions, to see the characters driven before me and hear the lamentations of the writers. Look upon me and tremble! What? Oh, sorry. <laughs> Got a little carried away. I've been reading a lot of Robert Howard lately. Anyway, Kitty and Misty were trapped. We're trapped. Tremble, I say. What are you talking about? There's no egress. Oh, thank goodness. I hate birds. Really? That's going to be the episode's running gag? No, I mean there's no way out. No back door, no windows, no nothing. Well, I'll be... What kind of office don't have windows? Let's go back to the bank, you said. I've got something to make the bankers play ball, you said. I don't sound like that! To be honest, she kind of does. I didn't want to do this. I told you it was risky. You're right. We should have gone with your plan. Oh, wait, you didn't have one! At least then we wouldn't be trapped in a tiny room with a shade and a vamp outside and the police on their way. Police? This is Chicago. There's no way they pay attention to bank robberies anymore. Nothing like well-timed Foley. Good job. I try. Okay, Miss Mastermind. Now what do we do? I've got it. I have a plan. Is it cunning? Nope. No more of that. We're already on thin ice with the censors because of that bank dig joke. The last thing we need is more of these two's tongue-in-cheek remarks. Oh. I'll show myself out. <laughs> Act 3, Scene 2. Wife Styles of the Broke and Forgetful. Clemens struggles with marital duties. While we leave Misty and Kitty to their plotting, across town, Editor-in-Chief Clarence Clemens and Wally Winchell were in the middle of a highly sensitive journalistic exercise. Uh, Chief? Lower your voice. <clears throat> uh, Chief? I meant be quiet! And don't call me Chief. Oh, sorry, Mr. Clemens. It's just that you told me you, we were going to a highly sensitive journalistic exercise. Yeah? 
So why are we hiding in the bushes outside your house, watching your wife with a pair of binoculars? It's all part of that delicate dance that is wedded bliss, Winchell. I didn't know you danced, Mr. Clemens. What do you like best? Foxtrot? Lindy Hop? Winchell! I'm not talking about actual dancing. I mean the give and take, thrust and parry of trying to make sure that you avoid making your missus mad without actually having to spend any time listening to her. And it's the Charleston. So what is it you should have spent time listening to? Tonight is some kind of important date. Which is why when we're done here... We're going to go make a reservation at the Walnut Room for dinner. And I'm going to buy something bright and sparkly. So if you already know that, why... Because when I give Mrs. Clemens the bright and sparkly gift after dinner, if I don't follow it up with saying, happy whatever the occasion is, she's going to know that I forgot the date, and then, oh boy. Oh boy? What's oh boy? Oh boy means I'm going to have to buy something way more bright and sparkly than I can afford and put up with her mother staying with us. Well, how bad? And her mother lacks the calm temperament and dulcet tones of my wife. Oh. Yeah. Oh. So what we're doing is waiting until she goes off shopping. Then sneak into the house to find some evidence of what this occasion is, so that I not only know what to say to her after dinner, but also... Also? Just how bright and sparkly this gift has to be. I had no idea marriage was so complicated. It's a minefield, son. I know this may seem like a dumb question. Very likely. But couldn't you just ask her? And admit defeat? Never! Eek! Get down, she's coming! Did he just say eek? Did you just say eek? Get down! As Wally Winchell and Editor-in-Chief Clarence Clemens huddled in a hedge, Mrs. Clemens emerged from her home and walked down the block in the direction of several slightly higher-than-average cost shops and boutiques. Once she was safely out of sight, they emerged from the shrubbery. That's amazing, Mr. Clemens. How did you know she would go shopping at this exact time? Because she goes out shopping at this time every day, Winchell. Why else do you think a childless couple live in a three-bedroom house with detached garage? Why is budgeting? Because I need that much room for all her stuff, Winchell. Every square inch of that house is crammed with things she just had to have because they were cute, shiny, or on sale. You know where my stuff is, Winchell? Where? I have no idea! I was hoping you'd seen it. Still, I can't complain. You can't? No, because then I get yelled at. You know how annoying it is to have someone yell at you for no good reason? I can only imagine, Mr. Clemens. Anyway, come on, I checked around. There's a two-for-one sale at the hat shop, so she's going to be out for at least three hours. The two men crossed the street and snuck in through the back door. Suddenly, out of nowhere, a high-pitched voice screeched. What? Clarence, you're late. Oh, I thought you she was gone. Keep your hair on, Winchell. That's just Polly. What? Where did that line? What? Polly? Asked Wally. <laughs> Sorry, that one was just for me. Yeah, she's my wife's parrot. I didn't know you had a pet, Mr. Clemens. I don't. I have an annoying, screechy creature who won't give me a minute's peace. And she has a pet. Now can the small talk and search the place. What exactly are we looking for? Anything that'll tell us what tonight's occasion is. And make sure you search everywhere. My wife is incredibly sneaky when it comes to hiding things. Could it possibly be this day on the calendar that's circled in red and says birthday? Hiding in plain sight. <laughs> She's diabolical. Really? That seems kind of normal for someone to... Diabolical! <laughs> Nobody asked you. My mother was white. That's it. You asked for it. Ooh, big man. What are you going to do? 
missing. What do you do? It's the metronome. Knocks her right out. Best money I ever spent. You have a metronome? Do you or Mrs. Clemens play piano? What? Of course not. Neither of us go in for that artsy-fartsy stuff. I bought it because my wife was nagging me to buy her a diamond watch to keep time. So I got her this instead. Where'd you get it? Mad Murray's Metronomes. The finest selection of discount metronomes in the city. His prices can't be beat. But they can certainly keep one. You know, suddenly I'm longing for an egress joke. It certainly sounds regular, but aren't all metronomes the same? You'd think that, wouldn't you? I do, actually. That's why I asked. That might be the case at other metronome dealers, but at Mad Murray's Metronomes, you can buy metronomes in any color, size, or pitch. Pitch? That's right. Want a deep bass click? Mad Murray's got it. Want a high-pitched click sure to annoy the neighbors who just won't stop coming over to borrow sugar? Mad Murray's got it. From the heart of hearing all the way to dogs, no matter who you want to annoy, Mad Murray has the metronome for you. That's amazing. I'll have to give Mad Murray's metronomes a visit. You do that. Come on, Winchell. Now that we know it's her birthday, I know exactly how bright and shiny her gift has to be. Oh, wait. Run! Why do we have to... Three, scene three. Egrets, I've had a few. Things take a strange turn at the bank. While Wally Winchell and editor-in-chief Clarence Clemens headed out to fulfill Operation Bright and Shiny, back at the bank, the Shade was employing some high-level crime-fighting techniques to gain entry to the bank manager's office. Misty, Kitty, you in there? And you wonder why we're not invited to crime fighter conventions. Come on, you two, the jig is up. Nothing doing! You'll never take us alive! Kitty! All right, sorry, got carried away. Man, it's true what they say. You really do become your parents. I mean, we didn't do nothing wrong. We just wanted to draw with the bank manager. See, I told you they were violent. They wanted to break my jaw. Jaw is slang for gab. Aha! Gab! Grab a bag of money! What are you, daft? No, gab means to flap guns! They just admitted it! They wanted to flash guns at me! Not flash guns, flap gums! You know, chew the fat. I am not! Besides, it's a sign of affluence! That's true. Most of the fat people I know have terrible problems with affluence, usually right after meals. They say it's a compliment, but I don't think a compliment should smell that bad. After four seasons, you'd think I wouldn't be surprised anymore. And yet... Jade, stop helping. Mr. Chase, all of those phrases are slang for talking. They wanted to talk to you. Yes, to demand that I hand over all the money in my vault. Why are you so sure that's what they wanted? Do you know how many times this bank has been robbed? At least once a week. Really? Why so often? Because we're the first national bank, my little euphages. Every bank robber starts here before they move on to any other bank. Exactly. Plus, there's no other reason those two miscreants would be in a bank except to rob it. Come on, you two. Why not just open up and we can talk about this? Let all these innocent people get on with their day. Oh, no, you don't. You can't fool us. All you want to do is put us behind bars. She's not wrong. Misty, Kitty, the longer this goes on, the more likely you are to become just another fishy division statistic. Nope. I tried. But I've got no clue what he's talking about. Jade, what are you talking about? Fishy division. The tendency of criminals to immediately commit another crime and return to prison shortly after their release. You mean recidivism? Oh. That's what I said. What we have here is a perfect example of a molar proposition. 
Why do I feel like you should have an Italian accent? What is a molar proposition? When one uses a word, a phrase that sounds like another word, but has a different meaning from that word. Malapropism? I'm Episcopalian myself. If you would, please stand aside and allow me to talk with these two young ladies. I have quite a way with women of the female persuasion. Now listen, my little penitentiary pigeons. It would be most fortuitous for all involved if you could perambulate yourselves out of that office forthwith. Listen, you two. I need those women out of that office. Now! That's what we all want, Mr. Chase. But you have to be patient. Besides, what's the rush? They can't go anywhere. You told us that room has no egrets. Just in case any of you were still confused about that earlier running gag, we here at Throwing Shade are all about educating the audience. Yes, well, that may not have been entirely true. You see, while there's no way out of the building from that room due to all of the robberies we've had, there is a secret tunnel I had put in, so I could get out of my office in the case of an emergency and get to the vault. What? Why? So that not only could people not corner me in my office, but so I could make sure the vault was secure. Well, even if they find that tunnel and make it to the vault, there's no way for them to get out of the bank without coming through either the office or the bank, right? Well, after our thousandth robbery, I did have an escape hatch put into the vaults, and so in case of a robbery, we could move the money out of the bank and leave an empty vault for the robbers. I have to say, when even I know it's a bad idea, it's a bad idea. So you can understand why it's very important that these two women in that office do not find the entrance to the tunnel that is hidden under the floorboards beneath the decorative throw rug in front of my desk. Don't worry, Mr. Chase. I can assure you that we will not allow that secret to get out. Cuthbert, make sure you don't let Misty and Kitty know about the secret tunnel to the vault hidden beneath the floorboards under the decorative throw rug in front of the desk. Shade! Oh, right, I forgot. And definitely make sure you don't let them find out about the escape hatch in the vault that would allow them to not only escape, but also take all the money with them. What did you just do? Made sure Cuthbert kept the secret. Shade, did you not think that maybe by yelling that to Cuthbert, Misty and Kitty might have heard all that through the door? Oh, don't worry. We definitely didn't hear anything about the secret tunnel through the door. Oh, or the escape hatch. Didn't hear a thing. See? Nothing to worry about. They're lying, Shade. Well, that's not very sporting. What do we do now? Don't worry, Mr. Chase. I have just the thing to get into that office. Oh, what? A more insistent knock? Well, I mean, yes, but I think we're past that now. No, I'll simply open the door using my handy Shade picks. What? They are tools with which I can pick the lock on the door. Lock picks. No, shade picks. What are... Let me guess, shade. They're lock picks, but they're black. Exactly. Shade picks. I believe that fellow's flask is only half full, and that isn't the half he's using. Look, shade, if your shade picks will get that door open, then have at it. But hurry! Not to worry. I have them right. Hmm, I thought I put them in that pocket. No, not that one. It's so hard to remember since they're black. Everything I wear is black. You know, maybe I should have something like a belt. I could keep all my really useful gadgets in. I could call it a really useful belt. Shade, focus. Oh, right. Here they are. Wait a minute. Now to open the case. Hold on. And now to put them in the lock. Hold it, hold it. Foley, what is going on? That doesn't sound right at all. Sorry, it looks like I missed one earlier. Thank goodness. Let's go back, shall we? Shade, focus. Oh, right. Here they are. Now to open the case. And now to put them in the lock. <sighs> 
feel so much better now. Focus, hey, Foley. Hey, I've been asking for something more than handwritten scripts for four years now. These writers obviously wanted to be doctors. Excuses, excuses. Anyway, before the Shade could utilize his amazing Shade picks, the front door of the bank burst open. Moo. Seriously? Sorry. Okay, nobody move. Aha, the Shade and the Vamp. Finally, I caught you in the actor. Well, the end of one, actually. We'll return to throwing shade, unfinished sentences, in just a few moments. But first, a word from our sponsor. Friends, do you find yourself rushing or dragging at various times during the day? Do you need a striking sound to open your radio program? When you work your repetitive, mind-numbing, soul-sucking assembly line job that you can't afford to quit because there's a depression going on, do you sometimes have a hard time keeping a steady rhythm, hurting your productivity and making the image of the breadline loom large in your subconscious? Then you need a metronome! And when you're in the market for a metronome, there's no better place to go than Mad Murray's metronomes. Mad Murray will not be beat when it comes to metronome selection or price. Big, small, he's got them all. Fast, slow, they're priced to go. Andante or Allegro, his prices are so magic, you'll say presto! Mad Murray's metronomes keep such good rhythm, they're endorsed by the Catholic Church. So, get a Mad Murray metronome today. And now, a few words from other important personages. If you love live audio drama performed with musicians and in-person foley, then you'll love eclectic full-contact theaters Crash Box Festival of Short Live Audio Plays, appearing November 16th through the 19th at the Edge Off-Broadway Theater in Chicago. See six amazing audio scripts written in the noir genre, performed live. Grab your fedora and sit back for an evening of wise-cracking dames, hard-boiled P.I.s, and twisty plots where the truth hides in the shadows, but the sound effects are out in the open. Go to eclectic-theater.com for info and tickets. And now, back to our story. Act 4, Scene 1, Gratuitous Chase Scene. This scene works on two levels. Inside the First National Bank, the arrival of Police Chief Cannoli and his officers caused a bit of a stir. Not that kind of stir. <gasps> Man, you think we took a couple of years off or something? Oh, great! Now we've got the police involved! Shouldn't you be happy about that? You've met Chief Cannoli, right? Fair point. All right, nobody move. I got all of you astounded. Uh, I think you mean surrounded, Chief. And there's only three of us, so we don't technically have them surrounded. What are you talking about? I know we don't have them surrounded. They is surprised to see us, so I have them astounded. Surprisingly, that makes sense. Okay, shade another vamp. Put your hands up and come along quietly. Us? What did we do? Don't play dumb with me. I don't think he's playing. You know very well you're trying to rob a bank. What? Come on, Chief. You can't really believe that. Oh, he can. And does. That's all right. I caught you breaking and entering. Don't be ridiculous. The shade didn't break anything. That's right. Although I did twist my ankle pretty badly falling down the stairs. In fact, Chief, the only person who broke into anything is you. You busted the front door down. 
What? You know, Chief, technically the vamp is right. It's true. We didn't even check to see if it was unlocked. It would have been weird if it had been, don't you think, John? True, Punch. Banks don't usually lock their doors when they're open. Mostly because it's hard to lock an open door. Most locked doors are closed. Well, those doors were closed, so maybe they were locked. But we never checked, so we can never know. Schrodinger's bank. It's not! It's mine! This is horrible. I'm gonna have to arrest him myself. I think the only thing he ever arrested was his own development. Should we... Nope. Let him go. Just get back to opening that door. Before the Shade could get back to using his... Uh, shade picks. Misty and Kitty opened the door to the manager's office and stepped out. Kitty! Misty! Finally! Officers, arrest those two! They robbed the bank! What are you talking about? We didn't rob the bank! We didn't even attempt to rob the bank. We didn't even use the escape route in the bank manager's office. Why not? Misty wouldn't let me. I pointed out to Kitty that if we took off through the escape tunnel, everyone would assume we were guilty. Like they don't already. But if we didn't, then at least we had a chance of being believed. Don't listen to them. They obviously went down there, stole all the money, and then came back up here to perpetrate this falsehood. If you didn't come here to rob the bank, then why did you come? Scusi, but I am the chief of police, and I will interrogate a this here suspect. So if you didn't come to rob the bank, why did you come? You know, you don't see professionalism like that much these days. Probably for the best. Exactly what we said, to talk to the bank manager. See? They admit it! Arrest them! Talk to him about what? Yeah, we overheard you say you had something that would make him play ball. You were snooping around outside the room we share? To split expenses! We're masked vigilantes. Snooping is kinda in the job description. I have the deeds of the little man in the boat here, and was coming to talk about getting the business back from the banks so we could run it and have a legit business. That's ridiculous. It went into arrears when you were in prison. There's no way you could buy that building back. Exactly. That's why I brought this. Kitty unzipped her bag, reached in, and pulled out <gasps> a stack of papers. <sighs> A detailed business proposal for how the little man in the boat could be run and how successful it would be if you'd just give us a loan. Wait a minute. I thought they were both gonna run it. Why she want to do it alone? Come on, Chief. Maybe you need to sit down and rest. You need me to run out and get you a donut? After seeing this display, I feel fortunate I was deemed unfit to become a policeman. This is all poppycock! They're lying! And I'll prove it! I'll go down that tunnel to the vault, and I know when I get there, it'll be empty, because they took all the money! You better go with him, Shade, just to make sure. Righty-ho! Uh, Vamp, the door is locked again. What? Why would Chase lock the door behind him? Shade, are you thinking what I'm thinking? I sure am, Vamp, and I agree with you 100%. The Shade Orang would be way cooler if there was some way for me to shoot it out of a gun instead of throw it myself. Maybe with a little winch inside so I didn't even have to climb. What? Uh, no, not at all. I hate to disagree with you, my little tanager. What are you talking about? The Vamp is no tanager. She's an adult. Don't help, Chief. I think I got a donut in a pocket somewhere. Oh, what the Shade describes is undeniably awe-inspiring. Fine, yes. That does sound like an improvement on the... Shade ring. But I meant that Richard Chase seemed awfully sure there'd be no money in the vault. And he made sure there was no way for us to follow him. 
You're right, Vamp. And he was working really hard to get us to believe Misty and Kitty were here to rob the bank. And he jumped the gun on ringing the alarm? I think he was planning on robbing the bank himself. And that's what he's going to do right now. The fiend, the scoundrel, the rapscallion! What I tell you, mister, you can't trust bankers. If he succeeds, there's nobody who'll believe we didn't do it. Quick, Shade, Vamp, do something! Shade, can you use the Shade picks? It'll take too long. Wait, I know, the Vamp Pocket. How is my purse? Vamp Pocket. Vamp Pocket going to help? Just imagine that door is my head after I say something you disagree with. No wonder we can never beat him. He gets hit like that on a regular basis. What can we do to him? Shade, you follow Chase down the tunnel. Cuthbert, show me where the escape hatch opens out to. Your wish is my command, my little cowbird. Watch it, Buster. All right, everyone, you wait here. I'll be back soon with a criminal in custody. The Shade rushed into the bank manager's office. Unfortunately, Richard Chase had left the door to the escape tunnel open. The Shade, in his hurry, didn't notice and tripped over it. Whoop! And fell in. But instead of falling flat and losing consciousness, the Shade discovered the tunnel was built on a gradient, which meant the force of his fall started him rolling, gathering speed. I'm all right. I'm all right. Meanwhile, Cuthbert P. Bandersnatch and the Vamp arrived at the escape hatch, just in time to see Richard Chase loading sacks of money into a waiting van. It's all over, Chase. We know what you're up to. What? No, you've got it all wrong. I found this van here loaded with money. I was putting it back into the vault. Please, the prevarications you are foisting upon us are most unseemly for a gentleman of your stature. It's an insult to our medulla oblongata. She was the one with snakes for hair, right? Just give it up, Chase. Never! I deserve this money! Working here for years, watching this money go in and out, and me never getting a single piece of it! No matter how much money the bank made, I never got a piece of the pie! I was unaware there was pie! It's a metaphor, Cuthbert. So, when these two ex-convicts walked into the bank, I knew I had my chance. They get blamed, and I get rich! And now, you'll get ten to twenty. Are you kidding? Once I take care of you two, I can still pin this whole thing on those two. Who are they gonna believe? I really didn't want to have to resort to violence. But you asked for it. The vamp prepared to launch into her special fighting style, which was a blend of Greco-Roman wrestling, Quid facium agnus fratur! Baseball, Hey, better, 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 swing! Better, 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 better! And square dancing. Swing your partner with a do so you do Hit him in the jaws, to jail he goes. When a sound came from behind Richard Chase. A sound that grew louder and louder. What is? An instant later, the shade came rolling out of the escape hatch and knocked Richard Chase right off his feet. Whoop! Good work, Shade. Never have I seen such a display of raw centrifugal force. It was positively Newtonian. I'm all right. I'm all... A short time later, after the vamp had restrained Richard Chase, and the Shade had regained consciousness, the criminal bank manager was turned over to the police. All right, the punch. John, take him away. And make sure to pick up some donuts on the way. You got it, Chief. You don't have to tell me twice. I didn't. Good, because you don't have to. I shouldn't have to tell you twice. Right, I'm saying you don't. I wouldn't even think of it, so why you tell me I no gotta tell you twice when I wasn't gonna tell you twice anyway? Could somebody please just take me to jail? Right, take him away. I told you, you didn't have to tell me twice. 
Apparently, the chief isn't the only one suffering from donut withdrawal. Come on! The newly exonerated Misty and Kitty were met by a bevy of reporters. Misty, Kitty, what will you do now that your bank robbery attempt was foiled? We didn't try to rob the bank. We just wanted to get a loan. If that's what you wanted, why did you go to a public building full of people? Were you looking for a little doggy? She said alone, not along. Right down, you jabbering jackdaws! These fine ladies are going to receive a loan to reopen Kitty's drinking establishment, the little man in the boat. We are? Just like that? How can you guarantee that, Cuthbert? Since Richard Chase is no longer in his position, that position goes to the next in line, which is me. I didn't realize bankers had a line of succession. Oh yes, it's all quite aristocratic. My position will be filled by the head teller. Help! Help! I'm being promoted! Sorry, he got carried away. So, what you're saying is that Misty and Kitty are just going to be normal, regular, everyday citizens? Well, technically they'll be ex-convicts who pulled themselves up by their bootstraps and became productive members of society. What good is that? There's nothing newsworthy in that. Quick. Maybe we can catch up to the bank manager. Well, come along, my formerly felonious finches, and let's discuss terms in my office. Thanks, Shade. Vamp. It's good to know at least somebody believed us. Well... You know us, Kitty. We try to give everyone the benefit of the doubt, even when it's tough. Well, you two have a standing invite to the little man in the boat. Especially you, Vamp. can't believe I'm going to say this, but you were right, Shade. They weren't up to no good. I'm sure you would have seen it if you hadn't been so worried about Cleveland. You're right. And since that was all your fault, then this was all your fault. I'm not sure that's... Scusi, but now that the reporters are all gone, can I say something? Oh, sure, Chief Canoli. I want to apologize for accusing you two of robbing the bank. I know the two of you are on the side of law and order, but when there's people around, sometimes things have to be what they look like, even though things aren't exactly what they seem, if you understand what I say. I think so. Thanks, Chief. No problem, and thank you too, as well. Chief, did you ever think, Not to me! I don't never have to worry about it, because I stay out of boats. Okay, I gotta go. You know something, ma'am? The chief just made me realize something. That maybe the system we're working within requires people to dumb themselves down in order to be accepted by those unwilling to relinquish any power or control to those not like themselves? Actually, I was thinking I needed a shade boat. Where's my van pocket? <coughs> Act 4, Scene 2. Not-so-happy returns. Conclusions get concluded. Later that day, at the offices of the Chicago Gazette Times Herald, Theo and Wednesday turned in their story to editor in chief Clarence Clemens, who was begrudgingly impressed. I'm begrudgingly impressed. Gee, thanks, Chief. Yeah, thanks. I was really hoping that those two ex con dames would have ended up being guilty. But a crooked banker is pretty good, too. So, does that mean we got to keep our jobs, Mr. Clemens? Yeah, you two are still on staff here. See, Wednesday, I told you everything would work out. I do have to say I appreciate the fact you recognize our value to the paper, Mr. Clemens. Oh, I do, Morning. You two are the only people I can find to work for what we pay you. I swear I'm starting to rethink Cleveland. Come on, Wednesday, you know what they say, every silver lining has a cloud. Mr. Clemens? What is it, Winchell? I'm busy handing out backhanded compliments. I'm sorry, Mr. Clemens, but... Clarence! Your wife is here. That's all right, Winchell. Show her in. I'm completely protected by a combination of overpriced food and shiny stones. Um, sir, about that... Clarence! In here, my sweet. The rest of you am scray. Clarence! 
What is this I hear about you taking me to the walnut room? What was that all about? Mrs. Clemens was sure Mr. Clemens had forgotten an important occasion tonight. Had he? Of course. But Mr. Clemens and I snuck into his house while Mrs. Clemens was out to find out what it was so Mr. Clemens could throw the right celebration and get the right gift. Did you know that they had a parrot? I did not expect that to be what you said next, I gotta admit. Well, they do. Anyway, we found tonight's date circled, and it said birthday, so Mr. Clemens got reservations at the Walnut Room and bought Mrs. Clemens a nice, shiny, and sparkly ring. The problem is, when she showed up just now, I accidentally let the dinner reservation slip. Well, I can see how he might be upset that you spoiled that surprise, but I'm sure she'll still be happy about it. Ah, uh, no, you see. When she heard about the reservation, she got confused and angry and made me tell her why Mr. Clemens was taking her to the walnut room. Wait, did she forget it was her birthday too? Seems he's still not over that concussion. No. See, it turns out it wasn't Mrs. Clemens' birthday. It was the, the parrot's birthday. Winchell! What do I do? I hear Cleveland's nice. This has been Throwing Shade, brought to you by Mad Murray's Metronomes. Throwing Shade has also been brought to you by Eclectic Full Contact Theater. Remember to like, follow, and subscribe to our podcast, or leave a review. Created by Andrew Pond and Sarah Siegel. Written by Andrew Pond with Zach Osterman. Directed by Andrew Pond. Starring the voice talents of Chloe Adamo, Jessica Lauren Fisher, Daniel Houle, Noelle Kleiss, Zach Osterman, Andrew Pond, Rochelle Prue, and Monica Safflick. Our Foley artist was Lori Iyer. Our engineer was Daniel Houle. And I am your narrator, Noelle Kleiss. Special thanks to Tina Salamone! Tune in next week. Same Shade Time, Same Shade Station!